Have you ever been chosen for something before that you never expected to be chosen for? Uh, maybe you were in school on a sports team. And somebody was chosen to be captain and then had to handpick his group or her group of people. And though you probably felt that you didn't have the athletic ability, I don't know, maybe you've never even played the sport, but yet somebody picked you. Were you in shock? Have you ever experienced that? Some might even say that, no, I've never been picked for anything. Well, and that's man's way of doing things, but not God's. Number two, maybe you were on a uh, maybe on a debate team, <laughs> uh, you know, for school or or maybe uh, for something in, in the form of uh, maybe you're in college to be a lawyer or something like that. So you do a mock debate, and there is somebody there that has to put together a team, and you're chosen. But yet, you are not an eloquent speaker. You are not one for debate. You do not feel that you are equipped to do such a thing. But that person just so happened to choose you. And again, there's somebody else who would say, I was never chosen for such a thing either. Once again, man's doing, God's doing is different. See, we're going into chapter 4 of Exodus uh, uh, today. In chapter 4, we're going to be seeing that of what we'd like to call, of the title of this message, the reluctant candidate. We know that Moses was already uh, spoken to in the previous chapter as God had uh, spoken to him from the burning bush. Moses was out uh, herding sheep out there in the middle of the desert. And then he approaches this bush that looked like it was on fire, but he noticed something interesting about it, that it wasn't withering, it wasn't burning like it should be. It was, it was a different kind of flame, it was a different fire. And it was a different fire that Moses needed in his life. He needed to be fired up, but he got, he, he got fired up by the Creator that did not burn him. And so only God can can do such a thing to where he can actually refine you with a refiner's fire without harming you. And I look at Moses as that reluctant candidate because we're going to see that today. I want to give you just a little insight, a little insight of what we're in for between, if you will, the conversation of Moses and that with God. So Moses is called to lead the people out of Egypt out of the slavery. Moses, once being a, uh, an important figure who was adopted by the Pharaoh's daughter, was in line to be something of headship in the empire because he was at least considered a prince. Well, things went uh, a little bit different for him when he saw an Egyptian beating on a, on a, uh, on a Hebrew slave and Moses had killed that Egyptian and buried him. And a couple of Hebrew guys that were in the kingdom happened to have seen what he did and called him out on it when Moses asked them, why are you two fighting amongst each other? You guys are brethren. And they questioned him, well, who are you to do, who are you? Are you in charge of us? After all, you went and killed a guy and buried him. Well, Moses fleed after that. He, he knew he'd, he'd been had and he ran off and just so happened that by God's hand put him in the right place. He put him in the right place because he was accepted by somebody who just happened to be a priest as well, who had sheep, and gave him, a, gave him his uh, wife, uh, which was his daughter, this, this, this uh, man that he ran into. And so Moses had now made it up to the age of 80. Because he was 40 years old when he had left, and 40 years had gone by and God decided to come to him at this given moment. 
So the conversation kind of goes like this. God comes to Moses through the burning bush and calls him and says, I, I want you to lead my people out of Egypt's slavery. Moses, well, well, wait, well, me? I, I'm nobody. And then God comes in and, and says, well, I'm going to be with you. Okay, God, well, people will ask me the hard questions, right? So who is this God who sent you? Well, you just tell them, you tell them my name, my special name, Yahweh, I am that I am. You tell them that. But God, nobody's going to listen to me, right? <laughs> so by Moses, God says, well, here's a couple miracles to get their attention then. But God, I'm a lousy speaker, right? Well, God says, who made your mouth in the first place? I did, I'll speak through you. <laughs> Last, it's going to be kind of like, come on now, just let somebody else do it, okay? God, God humors and he says, okay, I'm going to have you communicate through your brother Aaron, who will actually be a high priest himself. Now that's enough, it's time to get moving, no more. It's kind of that in a nutshell. But we're going to get into, into the deeper scripture of it. I wanted to give you the insight of that simple uh, kind of conversation that God and Moses will have. It's probably a conversation we've had with him as well. You know, we, we never want to think of ourselves as too high because, you know, God will allow us to be humbled. And it's always good to be humbled. But to, but to remember that, that God is with us and we can do all things who is in us and through us. So if you have your Bible, we're going to be in Exodus chapter 4. And I'm going to start us off in verse 1 through 7 here. And it says, Then Moses answered and said, But suppose they will not believe me or listen to my voice. Suppose they say, The Lord has not appeared to you. So the Lord said to him, what is that in your hand? And he said, it's a rod. And he said, cast it on the ground. So he cast it on the ground and it became a serpent and Moses fled from it. And then the Lord said to Moses, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. And he reached out his hand and caught it and it became a rod in his hand. That they may believe that the Lord God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. Furthermore, the Lord said to him, Now put your hand in your bosom. And he put his hand in his bosom, and when he took it out, behold, his hand was leprous like snow. And he said, Put your hand in your bosom again. So he put his hand in his bosom again and drew it out of his, of his bosom, and behold, it was restored like his other flesh. You know, Moses, if we could look back here, he asked the typical question, who am I that they will listen? Well, God introduced himself to Moses as the reason why they will eventually notice. Who am I, Moses asked, isn't important because he will introduce to them their creator who is God, Yahweh, I am that I am. Now, what Moses did was typical. He asked, why me and, and how will they know? Well, again, typical of us. And God gave just a glimpse of his ability to prove what he could do. Normal of God. He didn't have to, but he, he was willing to show because God knows the heart and concern of his children. What is that in your hand? Which was the shepherd's rod. See, Moses, once, Moses was once a mighty prince in the Egyptian culture, as I mentioned earlier, in that empire. And he's now a lowly shepherd in the middle of nowhere. And now this rod turned into a snake and it caused, uh, it caused fear in Moses. And that same rod would one day part the Red Sea. 
That one rod, it would release water from a rock in the middle of the desert, as I'm getting a little ahead here for insight. It would be used to show the Pharaoh what God can do with turning it into a serpent in front of him. So God obviously takes joy in using simple things and ordinary people for extraordinary purposes. But, you know, the rod was uh, used for keeping sheep in line. It was used to protect from wildlife, uh, and it was even used to kill snakes if they threatened the flock, and, and God took the rod and used it for a miraculous use. And, and then God said, pick it up by its tail, and, and we see that Moses, at this time, he showed his faith and trust by doing that, because so he, he, ran, he ran at first, <laughs> okay, because this must have been a pretty intimidating snake that he created, and then he picks it up by its tail. And well, some may, some people may say, so what? What's the big deal about that? Well, if if you know anything about snakes, you never grab a snake by its tail, especially if they're not that long, because they can quickly maneuver themselves to reach and bite you. You know, they're they're normally grabbed by their neck to subdue their head. You know, it, it makes them powerless. And, and Moses willingly did what God had asked: grab him by his tail. If that was not enough for Moses to take a look at your hand, it's all of a sudden stricken with leprosy. Put it back in your bosom and look again, and, and it being cleared. So again, we have two different signs being shown here because leprosy was incurable. Leprosy it was a death sentence. It was by slow death. It was the most feared disease throughout the years. But yet God gave it and took it away and we ask why? Because he could cause or cure anything. His power and ability is without measure. To God, this was a simple task. He had the power and the ability, and Moses was simply given the commission to be a represent, representative and a spokesperson. That was it, right? So it's amazing how God could use us to do his work. God could have used an angel. He could have done it all right then and there from his throne because God is omnipresent. But yet, see, he used a what we would call a renegade shepherd, if you will. Through God and God only do we have the ability to exercise the power to do what he leads us to do. And Moses will be given the ability to lead. He'll be given the ability to counsel. He'll be given abilities that he never had while in the Egyptian culture or empire. And, and because only God can take a shining star from nothing to be seen by all here on earth. Only God could do such a thing, right? Let's take a look here at 8 through 17. And it says, Then it will be, if they do not believe you, nor heed the message of the first sign, that they may believe the message of the latter sign. And it shall be, if they do not believe even uh, the, these two signs, or listen to your voice, that you shall take water from the river and pour it in the dry land. The water which you take from the river will become blood in the dry land. And then Moses said to the Lord, O my Lord, I am not eloquent, neither before nor since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. So the Lord said to him, Who has made man's mouth? Or who makes the mute, the deaf, the seeing, you know, or the blind? Have, have not I the Lord? Now, therefore, go and I will be with you, your mouth, I'll be with your mouth and teach you what you shall say. But he said, Oh, my Lord, please send my, uh, by the hand of whomever else you may send. So the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses, and he said, Is, it, is not Aaron the Levite your brother? I know that he can speak well. And look, he is also coming out to meet you. 
When he sees you, he will be glad in his heart. Now you shall speak to him and put the words in his mouth. And I will be with your mouth and with his mouth, and I will teach you uh, what you shall do. So he shall be with your spokesman to the people, and he himself shall be as the mouth for you, and you shall be as him as God. And you shall take this rod in your hand, with which you shall do the signs. You know, it looks like uh, Moses was pleading with God to be released from the mission, perhaps. Now, who am I, he said, the first time. Now, second, he says, I'm not eloquent in speech. Well, we have an old saying, right, that actions speak louder than words. And the actions of God will speak volumes because they ignored God's word. So actions will take place. And as for Moses or anyone, when it comes to speaking abilities, anyone who possesses enough power can speak softly and everybody will listen to him. But for us, now it comes easy because we have the full word of God. And, and uh, But God said, I will speak through you and your brother Aaron. I will be with you as well. And Moses had been speaking, you know, if we think about it, he'd been speaking to sheep for 40 years out there. He's had very much human contact from the looks of it. So I can understand his concern, but he was, he was speaking in person with God himself. You know, God knew the abilities or lack of the abilities in Moses, but, you know, may we ask of that from God as he spoke to Moses, that God would actually teach us what to say and, and not say what we want to say. <laughs> I, you know, I loved hearing a preacher once tell a group of people uh, when they asked him what it was uh, that he did in his line of work. And his response was, as he said, well, I lip sync for God, you know, and they all got a laugh out of it. Oh, you know, that's a great one. They got a laugh out of it, but in a sense, it was the truth. We do just that when teaching his word. And may God help us to direct our words more often in normal conversation. Moses was first a messenger of God, but we too are just that when we are given the words, uh, the word of the people. God was angered at Moses due to his, uh, his doubt. In fact, it was one of the few times in scripture that we had seen that toward Moses, that anger. God may have uh, been angered. But, you know, he never gave up on Moses. In fact, God sets him up with his own brother, Aaron, who will be a part of the priesthood as a father, uh, as a father in human terms, or even a, a mother, a parent, right? The, the doubt and questioning from your children can be frustrating. And I'm sure I'd get some, uh, some saying amen to that, right? But if there was a large audience in front of me, Right. If there was a large audience in front of me, I would probably get a lot of amens from that. That of you know that we get frustrated when our kids question us. But this is God. See, the God, the Creator, perfection at its most. Okay, nothing gets past Him, and nothing is unseen by Him. So why question Him? And that's something Moses was learning right then and there. But a lot of people with power. A lot of people in, in important positions in life, will, they like to say to people, do you know who I am? <laughs> when, when questioned or, or when they don't get what they want. And, and when it comes to God, he even shows more class and understanding than the ones who say, do you know who I, who I am to other people? I've never even really seen God act in that demeanor. He does it with so much better class. But see, it happened before. 
it's happened before and the brave soul who fears and loves God will say I know who you are but do you know who I am of you know to the other man of importance <laughs> I, I just really recognize that once again who God is and who we are he could have just said alright Moses I'm done with you I'm moving on but he, he didn't you know but he didn't God's plan comes through and prospers and it's neat to see that we're in his plan. And that God sees something in us that we never seen. You know, he's going to have to say that to Pharaoh because Pharaoh thought that he was, Pharaoh thought that he was, uh, was God, if you will, being one of the most power, powerful men on earth. And, and on top of it, Pharaoh believing that he was actually related to the, to the, uh, sun god. <laughs> so he automatically thought he was deity. And Moses is going to have to get to that point. Do you know who I am of? See, he didn't. See, Moses, I mean, uh, Pharaoh didn't know, and he's going to find out the hard way. As many do when they mess with God's people, unfortunately. Let's take a look at verse 18 to 23. So Moses went and returned to Jethro, his father-in-law, and said to him, Please let me go and return to my brethren who are in Egypt and see whether they are still alive. And Jethro said to Moses, Go in peace. Now the Lord said to Moses and Midian, Go return to Egypt, for all the men who sought uh, your life are dead. Then Moses took his wife and his sons and and set them on a donkey, and he returned to the land of Egypt, and Moses took the rod of God in his hand. And the Lord said to Moses, When you go back to Egypt, see that you do all these wonders before Pharaoh, which I have put in your hand. But I will harden his heart. So that he will not let the people go. And then you shall say to Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord, Israel is my son, my firstborn. So I say to you, Let my son go, that he may serve me. But if you refuse to let him go, Indeed, I will kill your son, your firstborn. Wow. You know, the, the call of Moses begins. As he is now taking his uh, shepherd's staff from the sheepfold of his father-in-law to the sheepfold of God, uh, to the sheepfold of God, the people of Israel. You know, his staff would be his assurance of God's power and, and presence, right? As the true shepherd that will be with them in their journey. That that staff will be the representation there. Some read this with a little confusion, though. Uh, I'm going to harden the heart of Pharaoh. Well, it just proves that God is all-knowing and second, will not tolerate evil treatment to his people. God allowed time to take its place because these officials wanted Moses dead for the murder he committed. Well, they're gone now. It said in previous chapters that, it, you know, or it says that Moses outlived them, you know. So Moses was able to outlive these people and we don't know their ages, but Moses was 80 years old when this took place. And when we surrender to God... Only he can give us the boldness to come back to the place that we ran away from due to our past. Granted, Moses may uh, not have been known after 40 years of hiding. He may not have been spoken of, but he was still used, uh, he was still used to go back to where it all began. God used him to go back to where it all began, and Moses didn't just outlive them by time, uh, but with God he outlived with quality of life. He may not have seemed like a prom- like a promising calling, and it may have looked uh, good good all around because he had to deliver a message of death if Pharaoh dis- disobeyed God, right? So why would God harden his heart? 
Well, that, that will be seen clearly in the chapters to come, right? But, but to give the insight, we have to remember that God does not force anyone to be of him or follow him. God will give numerous opportunities to repent, to make amends with him. And he doesn't care who it is or where, the, where they're from because he created all people. But he didn't create sin. He didn't create hate. And he didn't create other things to exceed him. See, nothing exceeds him. But the Egyptian empire, as well as others around, looked for something else to exceed God who could not be exceeded. You know, in the times of Abraham, when Abraham, uh, when he and his wife Sarah, they actually moved to Egypt, you know, long time before this ever happened. And the Pharaoh of that time took Sarah, Abraham's wife, as one of his concubines in his harem. Because Sarah was, it said in the Bible that Sarah was gorgeous, right? And, and Abraham says, hey, look, they're going to want you and, and they're going to kill me to get you. So just tell them that, you know, we're brother and sister. Well, the, the Pharaoh did just that. As soon as they seen, uh, as soon as they seen Sarah, they, uh, the Pharaoh took him. Well, God spoke to the Pharaoh and said to, to him to release her because you took a woman who is not to be with you. And then this Pharaoh says, he tells Abraham, why have you brought this into our kingdom by not telling me that she was your wife? Man, take her back, right? Leave the area. And, here, and here's some large parting gifts to, to compensate what had happened. But just get out of here. We cannot say that God is unmerciful. Because the Pharaohs of the past heeded the voice of God. And God allowed them to carry on unharmed. See, I remind us of this because of the false pretense that people have of God when we, when we refuse Him and His request. And then we made the choice of the consequences that, that come. If you're in a place that has storms that damage homes and someone offered you to dwell in the house during the storm and you, choose to, you chose to stay where you're at, you know, it, it was that person's choice. And now... You know, now they may have to suffer loss and consequences. God may bring another to, inv uh, to invite you into safety, but you refuse, right? You refuse. Pharaoh will have those same opportunities. God has always been of grace. It has to be wanted. See, that's the question, is, is how much is it wanted? God's always been graceful and merciful. But when people don't want it, then that's their choice. Let's continue to see what happens in 24 to 31 here. It says, And it came to pass on the way at the encampment that the Lord met him and sought to kill him. And then Zipporah took a sharp stone, a sharp stone, and cut off the foreskin of her son and cast it at Moses' feet and said, Surely you are a husband of blood to me. So let him go. Then she said, You are a husband of blood because of the circumcision. And the Lord said to Aaron, Go into the wilderness to meet Moses. So he went and met him on the mountain of God and kissed him. So Moses told Aaron all the words of the Lord who had sent him and all the signs which he had commanded him. And then Moses and Aaron went and gathered together all the elders of the children of Israel. And Aaron spoke all the words which the Lord had spoken to Moses. And then he did the signs in the sight of the people. So the people believed, and when they heard that the Lord had visited the children of Israel and that he had looked on their affliction, then they bowed their heads and worshipped. 
You know, this is this chapter has definitely been uh, one of question or confusion that, that God was looking to kill Moses and why, right? Why, why would that be? And, and the circumcision, the circumcision was a command of God for all the people to have done within male children after eight days of birth, and, and it was primarily spiritual. And it was an identification of the males of Israel. And then second, what most people forget is the health benefits of circumcision. It is not, it's not pleasant in procedure, but there was benefit uh, from it because God commanded it. See, Moses had not circumcised his son, perhaps being raised in the Egyptian empire, and then his wife being a Midianite just outside of the land. Uh, you know, just, they just let it be. So Moses had to experience the fear and reverence of God as one who was going to be a, represent, a representative and then one who was uh, going to deliver the people. Not just deliver the people, but deliver them the laws of God that was going to be established with the Israelites. And we can be sure that if God was this serious about the aspect of circumcision to Moses, then, then maybe Moses did not take it as serious before God made it known. Moses' wife was obviously not pleased because of her harsh remarks to, uh, toward him, man. Uh, but obedience, you know, obedience must take place. If we're going to see results in our calling, obedience must take place. You know, God's always, God has said, you know, I, obedience is better than sacrifice. And what a blessing to have been separated from his family and to have his brother, his mother, you know, his brother now, his birth mother got to raise him and now he's, um, and now he's with his brother Aaron. And this is, now he'll be able to serve God with his brother Aaron in the most amazing events in the Bible. God told Moses that his brother would be involved. And now it's coming to pass by that that God keeps his promises. It's amazing who God is and how he works and sustains his people. See, I never understood how someone who knew God existed and knew his power, his love, and his discernment, how they could worship a created entity that they themselves would have to protect and keep safe. An entity that was strictly about things of negative and wrathful, wrathful consequences. But most of all, they, they did nothing because they didn't exist. But yet people created these things of worship. And, and if, if there is a simple reminder of God on why he does what he does, why he says what he says, it's simply because God is a holy God. Holy, again, means set apart. And set apart he is because no one, create, no one can create an image out of him on a painting or out of wood or stone. No one can compare to the love and grace that he shows to those who ask for it. And no one on earth will ever care for you in the way that he does. This, I pray, will just show you a glimpse of his glory. It'll be my pleasure, as always, to venture through each chapter to see more and more of God and to speak of the things that he did and continues to do to this day. I said it before, he's not a God of yesteryear, he's a God of now, today, and forever, and throughout eternity. He had a plan, and if you have observed in its entirety in the Bible, then you will see his plans always come through. And as always, as I end a sermon, one of the plans that did come through was the coming of his son, Christ Jesus, who died for the sins of the world. 
and died so that we would receive a place in eternity with him. All of this that we were, that we're reading was the stepping stones to the plan that God had for his people. And then for the rest of the world, that whosoever should believe in Christ Jesus shall not perish but have everlasting life. A very well-known scripture of John 3.16. God was thinking of this world. After all, he created it and everyone in it. But, but the, the time on this world is limited. And then there's another destination. A couple of them. That destination is eternal. It's, it's eternity with the Lord, which is the greatest place you can be. You don't want to have eternity away from the Lord. That's the worst place you could be outside of, of God's presence. That's hell, right? Anytime we're away from God is a form of hell. But how we get there is simple. And, and that is by prayer of receiving the Lord as your personal Lord and Savior, who is your loving Father, who a personal relationship can be had with. And we look at Moses. See, he'll have that. He had that personal relationship with the loving God, the Creator, right? And when, when, when a man or a woman or anyone could kneel before God, they could stand before any man. And Moses was the living proof of that as he approaches Pharaoh, the most powerful man in the world at this time. And I tell you that who we worship is just is not just a man of uh, who was put there by by power or by default or by relationship. This is an everlasting God who we worship, who has the ability to give and take, who has the ability to give life or to end it. He has the ability to to allow us to be with Him or not, depending on our choice. And I want to give you the option. He wants everyone. He died for the world. God sent His only begotten Son to die for the world. And that whosoever, it says, should believe in Him and receive Him shall have everlasting life. That whosoever, it could be you. Some of us are already that whosoever. I want to give you the opportunity to be that whosoever and to have your name written in that book of life. And by doing that, you say a simple prayer. A prayer in your heart of truth by receiving Christ Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And if you want that, if you've been called for that, let us together, let's pray for that now. Let's pray for that now as you can repeat after me to receive Christ. Father Lord, please forgive me. Please forgive me of all of my sins. Father, I confess to you that I am a sinner, Lord. And I ask of you, Lord, to wash my sins away, Father. And I thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. I thank you for giving me a place in eternity. I ask, Lord, that you receive me now, Lord, as one of your own. As I receive you in my heart as my Father, as my Lord and my Savior. And Father, I thank you for having me. Father, I love you. I praise you. And may we walk together for the rest of my days. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, it's exciting. You know, Exodus is quite an amazing story. And it's it's going to get better, I tell you. So just I, I pray that you'll continue to follow along and that you will see the glory of God in your life, that you will see the glory of God in all things. Because, you know, again, he continues to watch us. And we want to make sure that we're, that we're living right by him. You know, as a pastor teacher, 
one of the most important things I could remember and remember to teach and preach. That our lives, that our lives might be better than our preaching. <laughs> and if we can accomplish that, everything else, everything else will be better because we'll be right with God. May God be with you and bless you.